All right, another post-game edition, I guess next morning edition of the Bourbon Biscuits and Barn Burners podcast. Chris Kerber, John Hadley, Tim Woodburn with you as we get into a game that did not go well for the St. Louis Blues. An 8 to nothing beatdown of the Colorado Avalanche. And aside from the first period goaltending from Jordan Bennington, nothing, nothing went well or right for the St. Louis Blues in game number two of the 56-game regular season. Fellas, uh, I'll tell you, before we get into this game, I think I might have had one of the worst broadcasts I've ever had to do last night. Right? And, and you guys... Defined by what? Well, just like, so, so the challenge that we have right now with being in a bubble. I don't want fans to understand. This is not a gripe or a complaint. I'm just I'm letting everybody know into kind of how a broadcaster beats himself up a little bit, all right? So we are getting one feed. So we are literally for these road games right now calling the games off the same exact thing that every fan is seeing, you know, when we're uh, when when you're watching the game, all right? And the challenge with a game last night is when nothing is going right for the team. And then you're kind of stuck with just whatever is thrown up there on the TV. So it'll on on one of the of the Blues power play. Tory Krug comes over to get the, or not Tory Krug, Robert Thomas comes over to get the puck on the hash marks, and the TV zooms in and they give you a real close shot of Robert Thomas. So you have no idea what you know what's going on aside from where Robert Thomas is digging the puck out. Well, he flips the puck back to the point. At this point, you really don't know who is at the point. You don't know if it stayed in the zone or out. So you think, okay, he chucks it back to the point, and who's got it? Nobody. It gets past the guy and goes down the ice. And it was an entire game like that. It was, I'm telling you, I felt like by the time we got done with that game, it was one. It was just a mind melt. So you're trying to figure it out. Or when Justin Falk ripped that one-timer right on goal and Grubauer had it, the pass slides across the blue line. I think it might have been Pareko that chucked it over there. But uh, slides across the blue line, but Falk isn't, isn't in the screen. So the camera follows it. This guy one-times it, rips it towards the net. The camera jumps to the net to try and stay on it. And you're going, who shot that? <laughs> like, you couldn't tell who shot the puck initially because it was so quick. And then you're at the same time, you're thinking, okay, did it go in? What happened? Did it deflect? Did the goalie make the save? It just, it just proved to be one of the more challenging broadcasts, I think, that... Uh, that we've ever really had to do from that standpoint. And then the fact that the game didn't go well, so there was no flow to it, did not help the process at all. But that's how, you know, you get done with a game like that as a broadcaster. And Tim, uh, I know you've been in, John, you've been in the booth and been a part of our Blues broadcast for so many years when the Blues used to air on KTRS. But you, you guys know how it's done. And sometimes when 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 games go goofy and, and you're the broadcaster and you're just trying to get a, a hold of it one way or another, by the end of the game, you sit there and go, whoa. What in the heck just happened? And that's that's the way it felt at the end of last night's game. Well, I mean, that's also circumstantial. You know, I mean, there's nothing nothing you can do about that big boy. If Robert Thomas is breaking down the breaking down the wing four times and you can't get the puck to him, that's not his fault. He got open. You just didn't get the puck to him. You know, it's it's. There's a, there's a challenge to everything nowadays because of the most unique period of time that in all likelihood we'll ever live in. So it is what it is. Don't beat yourself up because we all had to sit there and watch the Blues' top two lines 
utterly dominated, embarrassed, almost as though they were questioning whether or not it was necessary to play 120 minutes of hockey in Colorado. So I assure you, you did not have the worst night of anyone involved in that broadcast. The Blues' top two lines did because even with Ryan O'Reilly, there there were just there were times, you know, a couple times he gave up the puck. I, I, I'll tell you what, like I said the other night, I know the Blues can play mano a mano with Colorado, and I know the Blues can play mano a mano with Vegas. Hell, I know the Blues can play mano a mano with anybody. But the fact of the matter is, Colorado is their equal. Colorado is a dominant team. And as Tim Woodburn was mentioning on our last broadcast about McKinnon and the line change, well, they clicked last night and the top two lines for Colorado, which were held in check, were not held in check last night, but also the Blues' top two lines. Um, just it was, it was a very, very disappointing performance. And people will point to Bennington, this, that, and the other thing. Bennington kept it from being eight to nothing in the second by the by the end of the second period. If there's two takeaways I I have from this game, one, well, it is what it is. Colorado came out, they were fired up, they lost the game before. The Blues didn't show up with the same intensity. And um Billy Husso now has two question marks behind his name. In curves from a from a broadcast standpoint, as a broadcaster. I'm pleased to inform you that most, probably 60% of people either listening or watching a game, once it gets to 5 nothing, turn it off. So they didn't hear the worst part of your worst broadcast at the end. <laughs> Listen, you know it's tough sometimes when you're going, can I turn it off? And you're the one that has to yeah. do the game. But you know what, Tim? Uh, what's that? So you're thinking to yourself, do I really have to finish this broadcast? Can we just uh, call it a night? I think, yeah, listen, after Colorado scored that eighth goal, right, and there's, you know, there's five minutes and four seconds to go, you're going, do we have to finish? Do we have Do we have to finish? Listen, after the game, Tim, Craig Berube, uh, Ryan O'Reilly, Colton Pareko, they all talked to the media. None of them minced words. I mean, the, the one thing that this team does have is accountability and saying, man, we were just awful. You know, we were we embarrassed ourselves, things along those kind of lines. It's it really. I understand that things snowball and it goes, but that team last night looked like a team with new pieces, and when it got lost, it didn't know how to find its way home. Well, the, the positive PR spin, if there is one, on last night's game is that I didn't believe that any of the eight goals were soft. Uh, all four goals on Bennington were point blank five star shots. Uh, all the goals on Husso, one was a tip-in, uh, one was – it looked like, looked like their defensemen were teeing off at a, at, a, at a golfing range. You know, I mean, they're just bombing away. I mean, the Colorado defensemen combined for eight points last night. The Blues haven't had a point from a defenseman all season, two games in. Uh, everyone contributed last night for Colorado. They were the fastest team, the quicker team. The Blues forwards only mustered 12 shots in the game. That's four, period. You're not going to do anything with uh, with numbers like that. I, I was just stunned. I, I didn't see one sustained shift, really, the entire game at even strength, where the Blues had puck possession for an extended period in the Colorado zone. It was just, it was just unbelievable. This, it just, Colorado just kept wave after wave after wave after wave. It was, it was. Uh, I remember the year the Blues won the Cup. They lost the game at home to the Penguins six to nothing in late December, right before they went on their January run with Bennington. So you know what? Good teams have stinkers and. 
you'd rather have one the second game of the year than the 56th game of the year. Yeah, but there's our, one of the concerns that, that jumps off the page at me right off the bat, though, is it's it's two bad second periods in the first two games. And second periods last season, I think, were a bit of an issue for the St. Louis Blues, too. So that is that is something that, look, I'm not going to put an indictment on it just yet, but I am going to keep an eye on that because, you know, again, there, there are trends that, that you tend to see, and, and that's that's one of the trends. Now, the other one is, and this is going to take some time, the penalty killing has just been brutal here to begin the season, and, I mean, last night's snowball was, was, was just awful the, the way it ended up going, but... Um, the reality of it is, is it's a lot of new faces. The penalty when you've got to open up your season against the Colorado Avalanche, and you're going to take the number of penalties that the St. Louis Blues took, which has been a big problem here through two games. Your penalty killing is going to have to be good. And when you've got the new faces that they have, it's not going to be good for you. it. It takes some learning. It takes some understanding. It's going to take some practice time, some communication, because penalty killing is all about work ethic, reads. And blocking shots and and just and trusting where the other guy's going to go on on your unit, and that just did not happen last night. I, I haven't seen a Blues game in a long time where we have seen guys all alone in the slot like we saw with with Landis Cog and some others last night. I mean, it was it was a when I say defensive meltdown, I'm not just putting that on on the defense. I'm saying as a team, it was a complete defensive gaff. Well. I can't completely disagree um, with your sentiment, but I, I I will say this much. I, I just expect the Blues forwards to be much more disciplined than what they were. Because it's, it's, it's like anything else. You, if the secondary is having a bad day and the defensive line is having a bad day, somebody's getting torched for some touchdown passes. In hockey, if the defense is having a tough day and the forwards aren't picking up some slack, then you have what you have last night. When you're five or seven on the power play, uh, I, I don't even think we need to go to any uh, hardcore statistical analysis, peel away uh, any layers of the onion. When you're five for seven on the power play, you're, you're probably going to lose that game first. You mean on the penalty kill? When the other team goes on, five on penalty for seven. Kill. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. 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 So when, when you're, you're two for seven, seven on the penalty, penalty kill. kill, right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it was, but again, it's just it's it, it's one of those things where uh, it's, it's I, I, one of you said snowball, and I and I really do believe that that happens not only in sports but in certain games, in particular early in the season, because if you listen to some of the comments last night after the game, um, from uh, oh, who's a big old boy who might be the best player in the game? His name escapes me. McKinnon? McKinnon? Yeah, I was about to say Brad, Mc, Brad McFerman. <laughs> I knew that was wrong. Anyhow, that's old man disease. Anyhow, he was saying after the game, look, you know, basically for for the first 30 minutes, you know, we could have lost that game, could have gone either way, and we just happened to get the bounces and then took off from there. And that, I guess that's sort of uh, the disappointing thing is, while you're 100% correct about the second period, Kurt, you know, I would go probably more 25 to 27 minutes, but, you know, the Blues had time to get their feet underneath them and make a stand, and it just got progressively worse, not better, as the game went on. You know a stat that I have well, not been able to figure out how the league really tracks it? And I've asked a little bit, but and I don't necessarily agree with the definitions, but i got to get the new definition. 
The official stat sheet last night had the St. Louis Blues with six giveaways. Six. Man, there were more than that. I mean, the 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 puck control just wasn't there. They were putting the puck in spaces and then getting beat to it. And, and that's why at the end of the game, Craig Berube's pressers after a game like that, and there have not been many games like that in the two years that he's been at the helm for the St. Louis Blues. But after a game like that, he doesn't pull punches. He doesn't miss words. And he says, well, when you don't compete, that's what's going to happen. And, I mean, then that was the case. When you see pucks that normally the Blues get to and win, Blues are on the power play. They pass it into the middle of the ice. It's going to Tyler Bozak, and, and a Colorado player just takes two extra strides and, and, and steps onto a loose puck uh, and clears it down the ice. Those are things that are atypical of the St. Louis Blues, but there just there wasn't any grit for puck battle last night. Well, listening to um, listening to some of the analysis from the uh, Colorado broadcast team, they had the Blues with sixteen giveaways last night. Sixteen. Yes. That that would make a little more sense. Which which might be closer than the six. I assure you. Well, and even worse than that is that if you believe the NHL stat keepers, they only credited Colorado with two giveaways the entire game. You know, Tory Krug's having nightmares about Nathan McKinnon this morning, I can tell you that, because it all started with the first goal when he, at even strength, he stole the puck from him behind the net and fed Landis off with, with between the hash marks, there wasn't a Blues player within 10 feet of him uh, at even strength. That's just unbelievable to me. And then, you know, he walked around Krug and, and uh, Kadri buried a rebound, then he split Krug and Pareko and scored on the breakaway. I mean, I, I think I think Krug and Pareko had uh, a rough game last night, uh, and and Dunn gave up one along the wall, and uh, that was directly to their third goal. Krug and Dunn both had rough games last night to, to be to be nice. It might if have I can been... jump in, Curbs. Yeah, go ahead. If, if I can ask a question uh, that maybe we can put off, if you have a follow up, and I, I'm just curious your guys' take because I, it's easy to put Connor McDavid number one, and in many ways you can justify it, but. I'm telling you, I really believe this Colorado. I really believe this McKinnon is the best player in the game. Uh, th- there are plenty of people that agree with you. And and I think, to me, what – well, okay, first off, I think what where you could put Connor or Nathan McKinnon ahead of Connor McDavid is in something we talked about in, in one of our first two podcasts. When you've – one, you've got a little more experience. He's got the extra – he's got the extra year or two in there. But the reality of it is, is Nathan McKinnon – is is more of a complete player right now than Connor McDavid is, and and I think that that's what I, I where the difference is, if anything, to me. They both have the speed of Nathan McKinnon is outstanding. You know, the the finish of Connor McDavid is is better. He can do it at such a high speed, but from a complete game standpoint, right now, I think McKinnon is a more complete player than Connor McDavid is. Well, it, it's like Tyreek Hill in the NFL. Both McDavid and McKinnon have have a gear that most that ninety nine percent of the other players in the game don't have. And it's funny because I, I can see it with McDavid because he's tall and lean. McKinnon has a thickness to him, and it just stuns me how fast he is. I mean, on his on on Kadri's goal, I mean McKinnon picked the puck up at his own at faceoff dot. And, I mean, he blazed up the ice, and a, a Blues player didn't get a stick on him. Uh, his shiftiness is, uh, is is a little different than McDavid. McDavid just, just blasts through people. McKinnon darts around people. And uh, I don't know how you define a complete player. I mean, I, I think coaches would define a complete player by 
what he what he does defensively and, and his back checking as opposed to you know just the offensive minded talent that gets the guys that can shoot and pass. Uh, you know, it's one A and one B. I agree. Well, I, I I flip a coin if you're starting a team, who you would take first. Well, I'll tell you what, John. We you started by by talking as as we're talking about McKinnon, a top player for the Colorado Avalanche. I'm going to pull this back to the Blues on this one. Um, we've also said in the previous podcast that for the Blues to win, you, you can look at the new guys and the young guys as much as you want, but your best players and your top players have to be your top players, and that was obviously not the case last night. Might have been. Might have been the toughest game as a St. Louis Blue for Ryan O'Reilly. Um, pucks bouncing over his stick. As he said, uh, a really bad read on, on the Landeskog goal. Um, that, that He goes, that one really hurt. And he, he took a lot of the heat himself in, in the postgame situation. So the, uh, an unusual one for that one. I was really curious going into last night's game to see how the makeup of Thomas Schwartz and Hoffman would look. And... I think the assessment is going to be extraordinarily hard to look at because of the amount of special teams in that game. But, and, and with the fact that just nothing seemed to look good throughout the entire lineup five on five, but uh, not a very good start for that line as a trio in their first game together. They, they didn't seem to have much cohesion, uh, nor did the rest of the team. I understand that. But when one line is down, it's another line that's going to have to pick up the spark. And if that top line with O'Reilly was struggling a little bit, then then you need that Thomas line to really step in. And, and I think that's where the snowball continued because when one of those lines couldn't grab it and the other line couldn't grab it, it, it was going to go downhill fast. Well, if there, was one, um, if, if there was one thing that softened the blow last night, a buddy of mine turned me on to a TV show that I watched on uh, Hulu by the name of Letter Kenny, which is a Canadian comedy show. And one of the stars in the show uh, is uh, uh, Jim Playfair's uh, kid, obviously Larry yep. Playfair's nephew. And I can tell you this much right now, that Letter Kenny is one of the funniest comedies I've ever seen in my life. It's so absolutely ridiculous and cool that it was only apropos that on a night where the blues were horrid that a Canadian comedy picked up my spirits. If you haven't seen it, I strongly suggest you take a look at Letter Kenny. It's absolutely hilarious. I'll have to watch it. I'm just telling you. No, if it's you, I'll tell you the other thing too. I put a picture of I put a picture of the believe out last night before I went to bed on Twitter and said good night. Uh, if you haven't seen Ted Lasso on Apple Plus, watch it. It is a the, the, that is that, funny. That was one of my two yep one of my two favorite shows from 2020. Yep, absolutely phenomenal. Great hey, show. Hey Tim, I'm, I'm going to take this away from the game for for the Blues last night because uh, again I, I'm not even sure. It just has to. The game last night has to come down to compete, and and they came out. They they just didn't compete and couldn't grab a hold of it and, and turn the tide at that point in time. But there is something that, and, and I want to make sure that I say this very clearly, so nobody thinks that I'm pinning last night's game on officials. All right, I'm not. I'm pinning. I mean, that's a, it was a horrible penalty kill. Anytime you go two for seven on the penalty kill, it, it doesn't matter what's getting called. But this thought came into my mind here when. There was there were two calls in that game, both made at the same time, that I specifically didn't like. And I and I didn't like it 
because of a feel of the game. And for me, it was the call when Oscar Sundquist in the second period at 14:31 got slashing after Samuel Gerrard cross-checked him. So the puck gets put in. Samuel Gerrard's defending the blue line. He kind of comes down and cross-checks the arms of Sundquist. Sundquist slashes him on the shin pad. The puck has been dumped in behind the net. This is a spot where, to me, you don't need to make a call. You let the guys battle it out. It had nothing to do with the game. Neither one of those guys are going to drop the glove and fight. It's not going to lead to nastiness or a check from behind with those two guys. You... You let those go, and you and you let the five-on-five five continue to play. for. And instead, you set a tone, and you set a precedent, uh, a standard for calls that you could not uphold. There was a cross-check on Jaden Schwartz where he gets pasted by Graves. Nothing on that one, right? But you have that stuff called. And the reason that I bring that up is, is big picture. Not so much the Blues game last night, but big picture. If you have eight teams in each division, and each team is playing each other as many times as they are. You're going to get some nastiness going. You're going to get some rivalry going. You're going to get some blood, uh, some bad blood brewing here. And to me, you've got to let some of that percolate. Like, I, I hope they let some of the emotion grow in these games because that's going to be part of the storyline and the intrigue and the absolute glorious aspect, as John likes to say, of this hockey season. So when I see something that to me is ticky tack like that, I start to scratch my head and say, Oh no, don't let this happen right now in this year because well, like you, you've, you've got to have a better feel for the game than to call the two innocuous penalties like that. Well, I'm, I'm not going to even come close to say officiating was a cause for an eight to nothing loss, but you talk about a ticky tack call that resulted in four on four play. Let me refer to two other non calls in the game that were very critical when the game was tight. One is Valeri Nachuskin cross, or literally either cross-checking or elbowing Robert Bortuzzo in the, in the back of the head, Elbow, knocking yep. him out of the game. The Blues finished the game. They only played 5D. Bortuzzo played less than two minutes of the game. It was early in the game, so that knocked him out. No call on that, especially after Sammy Blay gets the incidental uh, elbowing, which wasn't even an elbow, and two games suspended for what he did in the first game in the series. And then, you know, the play of the game, down one nothing. The Blues are struggling, but they're still only down one. 20 seconds left to go in a PK. And Grubauer and Schwartz meet in the corner, and Grubauer backhands the puck with his goalie stick and comes up and smacks Schwartz in the jaw. Schwartz immediately puts his hand with his face and bends over. Colorado rushes up ice, and Burakovsky buries it to make it 2 nothing. Essentially making it a 5-on-3 because Schwartz could barely – he wasn't even skating hard to the bench for a change. He was just kind of gliding over there. So – that makes a one nothing game a 2 nothing game instead of a one nothing game with a power play expired and a, and a call made on an obvious high stick. Jaden Schwartz should have enough credibility with referees, and he's not going to fake getting hit in the face with a stick. And, and when he bends over like that, you know, I, two referees on the ice, how you miss that? One referee has to have his eyes on the puck, and Rubauer had the puck, so whichever one of the two referees had his eye on the puck to not see that, as obvious as that was, it, it, it was it was the play of the game. The, the only thing I could think of is that is they considered it a follow through of his shot. So I can I can excuse that one a little bit because I I can see where where they could see that that one is is the follow through follow through of the shot. But the bigger point is the bigger the bigger point is John is that if you don't like 
don't legislate some emotion out of this game when you've got these teams playing against each other as many times as you can because, again, the rivalry and some of the nastiness is something that the National Hockey League needs. Uh, I think the sport thrives on it. I think it, it's one of the it's the battle that makes it good. And that, 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 that became a game of special teams that I, I just didn't think needed to be. No, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, uh, this is where you guys are going to get mad at me, but I, I am just so past NHL officiating. And even though there's no question that it enters into how a game plays out, it just is what it is. I stopped trying to figure out NFL, uh, NHL officiating a long time ago. It just is what it is. And as we've seen when the blues flourish, they find a way to kill penalties or they find a way to score penalties, uh, power play goals. I'm not trying to avoid answering your question. I know what both of you are saying, but I just look at it as another element of the game because I can't, Herbs, we go back into the early 2000s doing work together. I can't remain, I can't remember the last month, let alone the last year, that we didn't scratch our head with, with NHL officiating. So without trying to avoid the question, sounding curt or, or, or sarcastic, I just, it's impossible for me to figure it out. I mean, there, I, I, I'm still trying to figure out the Sammy Blay thing. I mean, I just don't get the Sammy Blay thing. I, I, I don't. You don't have a problem with that. I'm not going to sit here and bang my head against the wall because it just, I cannot figure out NHL officiating calls. I can't do it. That Sammy Blay one, Tim. You know what? When, when you when I watch when I watch the ex okay. Well, well, first off, again, I want to make sure people know I, I'm not I'm not blasting the officials. Like, like you can justify the penalties that were called last night by the Blues. The Blues were were not disciplined. The, the, the Blues owned last night. I'm just talking more in general, like like just making sure that you don't officiate the emotion out of it with ticky tack stuff that 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 doesn't right. need to be called like that. That's it, it's more of a broader league wide thing. I had a general manager in the league once tell me that if if you expect it to be bad, you won't be disappointed. I thought that's a good one. I got to remember and write that at the front of my scorebook. But the Sammy Blay thing, Tim, uh, look, the the one part of the explanation that I didn't understand why it wasn't part of the decision making process when you watch the player safety video that they put out. And I appreciate the fact that they put look they hang it on. They they put out their their decision. They put out exactly why they did. You can disagree with it all you want, but at least they put out why they did it. Was, was the fact that in that case, Taves had lost possession of the puck, and if you look at it, he looked over, he saw Blake coming, he lowers down, and he reaches for the puck. The, I, I'm telling you, the, the fact that Taves had lost possession of that puck, you know, and then all of a sudden Sammy Blake turns to look, and he's got it, and he sees it along the boards. How that didn't play a role in that decision, or at least their explanation, is the part that bothers me. Well, to go back to the Grubauer, I mean, you say he's following through on his shot. I, I respectfully say that's not a shot. That's a clearing effort. You have to have control of your stick. If, if Colton Franco is in his own zone and he's trying to rip one off the, off the glass to clear the zone and his stick comes up on the follow-through and hits somebody in the face, he's going to get high-sticking. That's high-sticking on Philip Grubauer. It was blatantly missed. You know, he's got it. He had already released the puck with his stick, and the stick continues to follow through six feet off the ground. How's that not high sticking? It, 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 to somebody's face, if they're worried about safety and not make a call like that on, on a one nothing game, it changed the game. No doubt about it. Fellas, 
Good recap of yesterday's game. Thanks for making it happen this morning. It's uh, Bourbon Biscuits and Barn Burners. Uh, We've got a new full episode coming up later on this week. St. Louis Blues are playing twice this week. They've got a Monday game and a Wednesday game against San Jose. The first two home games. The first two home games for the St. Louis Blues since uh, the beginning of March. We didn't even get into the fact that, how about Billy Huso? You get your first live game action since early March of 2020, right? And it ends up coming in where Colorado starts the period with a power play on a clean sheet of ice when they already were on fire to begin with. Welcome back to the National Hockey League, Billy Huso. So we'll see how the goaltending shakes out over the uh, next couple of games, how the coaches work that, any potential lineup changes, get an update on Robert Bortuzzo, who did not leave the, or who left the game and uh, was done with an upper body injury. So we'll wait for an update. And then uh, coming up this week, uh, some new barn burners, a, a different bourbon to talk about, and some other news and notes from around the National Hockey League. So midweek, look for the next official full dropping of bourbon biscuits and barn burners. Fellas, have a great rest of your weekend, and uh, we'll see what happens with the Blues on Monday. Thanks, Curb. Appreciate it. That's Tim, that's Tim Woodburn. That is the Italian John Hadley, who I think he just learned that from watching Grumpy Old Men. I'm Chris Kerber. Have a great rest of your weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you sometime next week on Bourbon, Biscuits, and Barn Burners. Boom. Nice job, fellas. 30-minute uh, works perfectly. I think it's a good, good length for that.